0: Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in week number two of a series called Baby Monsters. Baby Monsters, and here's the big idea of this series that if we have the ability, if we can stop things in their infancy, they will never reach maturity. That's the big idea of this series. That if we could stop some things in our lives when they're in their infancies, they will never grow and reach maturity. Because listen, All big things start out small, and so all big monsters start out at some point as a baby monster, and it's way easier to stop them bad boys when they're babies, and so in this series, we're taking a look at some characters in the Bible that had some baby monsters that went unattended, and when they went unattended, they grew and turned into big monsters that ultimately like almost destroyed their lives. And so we're taking a look. I almost named this series Dustin and Dart. Come on, do so we got any Stranger Things fans in the house? I almost named the series Dustin and Dart because, you know, Dart, he seems so cute and cuddly and innocent when he's a baby. You know, take him to school, do all those type things. But how many of you know when you feed that Demogorgon, Whenever you give them some candy bars, some Three Musketeers, whenever you do that, they grow into a big, nasty, destructive monster. And um, yeah, so that's what Dustin and Dart would, but we decided to go with baby monsters. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. As we start this new year, there are some baby monsters in our lives that we don't need to feed. Because here's why. There's this principle that whatever we feed will grow. That is true in life, that whatever we feed will grow. So at the start of this year, here's my question for you. What are you feeding right now? At the start of a brand new year, what are you feeding? Because whatever you feed will grow. And I want to be a church full of people who say, This year, no, 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 we refuse to feed any of these baby monsters. Instead, we're going to feed the things of God. We're going to feed our faith. We're going to feed our relationship with God. We're going to feed our prayer life in 21 days of prayer and fasting. This year, no, this is going to be the year that we feed how I end up. I'm going to feed on the word of God. I'm going to feed my marriage. I'm going to feed healthy relationships and healthy friendships. That's what I'm going to feed because whatever we feed will grow. And so today we're going to look at a famous person in the Bible, and his name is Samson in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at the baby monster that he fed that eventually grew into a big, nasty monster. So let's start at the end of the story whenever this monster got out of control. This is Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 15. It says, then Delilah, she pouted, that's his, that's his girl, and she said, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. And she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. And finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. And I'll tell you about that in just a moment. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. And Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in her hands because they paid her to find out this secret. And Delilah lulled Samson to sleep. And that's what baby monsters do. They lull us to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the se- his seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. Then he woke up. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as I had before and I will shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes And they took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Such a life-giving story to start out this message. Uh, If you're taking notes, I want you to write down uh, this title. I want to talk to you over the next few minutes about the baby monster of compromise. The baby monster of compromise. Now, the verses that we just read in Judges chapter 16 was no doubt Samson's worst day of his life. That if you, it was when he hit complete rock bottom. And so my question today is how did he get there? How did he get to such a dark place in his life. Because if you read his whole story, which I encourage you to do this week, it starts in Judges chapter 13 and then 14, 15, and 16. You can read those four chapters and read all about what the Bible says about Samson. And if you read through those four chapters, you'll see that his story, it started out so well, that it started out just awesome. In fact, three chapters earlier, we see that Samson, he was a miracle baby. His parents, who were unable to get pregnant, get visited by an angel. In Judges chapter 13, verse 3, and listen to what the angel of God tells his parents. It says, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. The angel says, even though you're dealing with infertility, guess what? There is a God that is the God of the impossible, and he can do a miracle in your life and give you a child. And then he goes on to say two verses later in verse five, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. In other words, get this, before Samson ever had a pulse, God gave him a purpose. And I want you to understand today, church, that the same is true for you. That before you ever had a pulse, God gave you a purpose. Trust me, check out Jeremiah chapter one, and you'll see that you are not an accident. You will see that you are not a mistake, that you are not insignificant, that you're not just on this planet sucking up some oxygen and paying some bills. That there's more, that God has a purpose for your life is it okay if I preach a little bit today? I'm telling you, there's something inside of me that's firing my bones today, okay? (laughs) And Samson was given what the Bible says is a Nazarite vow. Now, what this word Nazarite means in the original Hebrew, it just simply means this, to separate, to set apart, to consecrate. And so this vow, this commitment, this Nazarite vow meant that he was to separate himself, to consecrate himself three specific ways. And Numbers chapter six actually walks us through this complete Nazarite vow. And so let me read this. See if you can see the three ways that he was to separate himself. In verse, verse two, it says this. If any of the, spe- of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to Lord in a special way, that's what it was, they must... Give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. Some of y'all are like, I'm out. I'm not doing that Nazarite. There. No, 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 no. It says, as long as they are bound by their Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine. So that's one. So not to eat or drink anything from a grapevine. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow. That would be mine. I mean, I like my fade too much, Okay. Shout out Lexi Bates. My hairdryer, I don't know if she's in here. Um, For they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. By the way, Samson's commitment was for his life, just so you know. And then here's the third one. And they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to the Lord. So when you put those things together, this Nazarite vow was really three things. No haircuts, no corpses, and no cabernet. (laughs) That's what it was. So if you continue to read Samson's story, You'll see that God blesses Samson with incredible, crazy strength. He was more avenger than he was preacher. Like he was a bad man. And one time, my favorite story about Samson, he got so mad that he did this in Judges chapter 15, verse four and five. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. You know that you're a bad man if you just have to say that. I can't even, you can't even hold me accountable for what I'm about to do to you. Listen to this. Then he went out and he caught 300 foxes. No big deal. I don't even know where to find a fox, much less 300 foxes. Gather them all together. And he tied their tails together in pairs. He fastened a torch in each pair of their tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. And he he also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. And I imagine he did all that like walking slow-mo while it was all burning behind him, like in movies. I'm telling you, Samson was a bad man. So how did this guy... This guy who seemed to be like a superhero when you read about his life. How did his story end in such tragedy? Where it ended where on his worst day he was betrayed and all his strength was gone. And his eyes were gouged out and he couldn't see and he was chained up as a prisoner. See, it all started with the baby monster of compromise. He made little compromises one after the other and they snowballed and they led them somewhere that he didn't want to be. Let me show you, let me show you. Remember his three commitments with the Nazarite vow. So not to eat or drink anything from the grapevine, no dead bodies and no haircuts, which we already saw that came at the end. But let me tell you what led up to the haircut. In Judges chapter 14 in verses five and six, it says this, as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, A young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands, which, by the way, is one of the manliest sentences in all the Bible. All the men are like, Yeah, that's awesome. And then it says this He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. I have questions. (laughs) <laughs> like, one, who are the psychos that are ripping up baby goats, you know? <laughs> and then, like, why is that the analogy there in that moment? Like, I understand, like, a hot knife through butter, I get that one. But, like, ripping up baby goats, I just don't get that. But, you know, to each his own, Judges, chapter, chapter whatever, 14. <laughs> but here, here's, my, here's my biggest question. Why is a guy who's not supposed to be around grapevines and wine and grapes, what's he doing hanging out in a vineyard? How many of you know that that's not a good idea? Like, that's a bad idea. Like, if you're on a diet, don't go hang out in Holtman's. You know, if you're trying to save money, not going into debt, don't hang out all weekend at the mall. You know, if you're trying to stop drinking... And stop getting drunk. I tell you, a bad place to hang out is the bar. And if you take a Nazarite vow, let me just tell you, if any of y'all pick this up along the way, don't hang out in vineyards. And I could imagine Samson being like, yeah, but like technically, technically, I'm not drinking. Technically, I'm not eating any of that. It's just around. Yeah, but Samson, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because you're just not putting yourself in a position to succeed. One of my greatest, uh, my my dad has all these sayings. And uh, like a good dad, I think we pick him up along the way. He has this great saying, and one thing he always told me when I started driving as a kid, he said, Brian, you will never never get a speeding ticket if you don't speed. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, Dad, you're right. (laughs) And you'll never break that part of your vow As a Nazarite, if you don't hang out in vineyards, like that's one of the things that, just don't do that. Put yourself in a position to succeed, but we see right here that it's the first time that he makes one small compromise, which leads him to actually doing it again. He actually goes back a few verses later, except this time he takes it one step further. Listen, in, in Judges 14, verse eight, nine, it says later, when he returned to that same exact vineyard, For the wedding, he turned off the path. He went a little bit further to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees has made some honey in the carcass. So he scooped some of the honey into his hands and he ate it along the way. But Samson, Samson, I thought you weren't supposed to touch any dead things. And I'm sure he would say, well, technically, I didn't touch the dead thing. I touched the honey inside of the dead thing. And I think if I was having a conversation with him, I would say, but Samson, there's other places to get honey. It's like his goal was to get as close to the line as he could without actually crossing it. I just want to get as close as I can. I don't want to cross the line, but I want to get as close as I can without crossing. I'm telling you, that is a dangerous mentality to have. It is like saying, like, how far can I actually get from God, and how far can I get from his word and his ways, how far can I get, but not actually cross any lines, like, can I do this and still be a Christian, can I do that and still be following Jesus, can I do that, and listen, I understand wanting to, like, really figure out boundaries and understand that, but it becomes dangerous when the motive is to get away with as much as you can, I'm telling you, this motive matters, and if the motive is, I want to get as close as I can to the line, so that, but I don't want to cross it, I'm telling you, that's a dangerous place. My question is, if that is our motive, if that's the questions that we're asking, how do you think God feels about that whenever we ask that question? I started thinking about this, and I thought about my relationship with my amazing wife, Heather. That's right here on the front row. We've been married a little over now, 16 years, coming up 17. Come on, I got it. Okay. <laughs> May 22nd, 2004, one of the best days of my life. Imagine that I went to my wife, who I love so much. And I just asked her, hey, babe, like, I love you with all my heart. You're fine. You look beautiful. And I don't want to commit adultery at all. I want to be faithful to you every day of my life. I don't want to commit adultery. But where's the line? Because I want to get as close as I possibly can, but I don't. I don't want to do it. You, you, you understand my heart. Like, I don't want to commit adultery, but I want to know where's the line so that I can get as How many of you know that conversation would not end well? <laughs> it wouldn't. It would not be a good day at my house. No, like... Instead of wanting to know where the line is of adultery, instead of even messing or flirting with that, I want to run exactly the opposite way. I want to fall in love with her so much each and every day that I don't even care where that line is because I'm passionately pursuing my wife in a relationship of intimacy and closeness. Listen, that is the type of relationship that God wants to have with you. That time, where you're not even thinking about lines because you are passionately running after everything that he has for you. And so for Samson, we read in his story that one compromise, it just leads to another and another and another all the way to the point where Judges 15, 15 happens. It says, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey and he picked it up and killed a thousand philistines with it which by the way is pretty cool i mean all avengers had their signature weapon thor has his hammer captain america has a shield and my brother my main man samson got that jawbone <laughs> but isn't he not supposed to touch anything dead so he went from just flirting with it See, I I didn't touch the dead cart. I just touched the honey inside to where a chapter later, without even thinking, he picks up the dead jawbone. Compromise after compromise after compromise. He compromised his calling. He compromised his convictions, his character. He compromised his relationships. There was people in his life that never should have been in his life until it snowballed. Compromise after compromise Until he got that haircut in Judges chapter 16, breaking all three of his commitments and his vow and his life was completely destroyed. So here's my question to you today, church. What is the vineyard for you? Where are you going right now? That you know, I should not be going there. That's not setting me up for success. What is the honey for you? were you trying to get as close as you can but without crossing the line what is the jawbone for you what are you touching where are you what that you know i i shouldn't even be going near that and what is the haircut for you like what are you doing that you know no deep down i shouldn't be doing that where are you compromising right now where are you compromising your calling your convictions your character listen, you want to know how to ruin your life? It's very simple. It's called one small compromise at a time. Because one compromise leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, that snowballs over time, and it gets bigger and bigger and can destroy your life. Now, I think if Samson was with us Like if somehow I was able to pull some strings with the big man upstairs and say, come on Samson, come on out and share your heart with our church today and all the things that you've learned. I think he would tell us today two things that are so important. I think he would tell us, number one, write this down, that for that to not happen, you need to know God's vision for your life, that you have to, and you I think he would say, he would look us all in the eyes and say, please, guys, you need to know God's vision for your life. Because I think that there was a period of his life where he didn't really know God's vision for his life. Yes, he knew about the Nazarite vow that he had given him, but I don't know if he knew God's vision for his life. And maybe he knew it in his head, but it never hit his heart. It never affected the way that he lives. And one of my greatest concerns for you as a pastor is that you would live your entire life without a clear sense that your life, that it really does matter. That God has given, that God really does have a plan for your life. I'm telling you, one of the greatest concerns, something that makes me like really pray, get on my hands and knees and say, I want this for them so much, is for you to know that God has a vision for your life. Look me in the eyes. This is not reserved for people like me who stand on the stage, who speak through a mic who preach, who you elevate up to here. Listen, that is for you just as much as it is for me. God has a vision and a plan for your life. And the Bible says that if you don't see it, it says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says if you don't see what God is doing, like his plan, his purposes, his vision for your life, it says that people like that, they stumble all over themselves And maybe that's a picture of what your life is right now. I just feel like I don't have any purpose. I'm just stumbling from job to job and day to day and week to week and just whatever comes my way. There's another translation of the same verse that says, if you can't see what God is doing, it's like people that cast off restraint. Another way to say that is like, it's like whatever. Like my life, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I spend my time. It doesn't matter who I'm, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I cast off restraint. But this verse goes on to say, but when they attend to what he reveals, that when you really get and understand that God has a, has a plan and a vision for your life, it says those people, they are most blessed. And make no mistake about it, church, with a smile on my face, you need to see this, that God has a plan for your life. God has a vision for your life. In fact, all throughout the Bible, you will see this pattern, this pattern of life change, this vision that God has for your life. And you see it from cover to cover. You see this spiritual journey that he wants to take you on. And by the way, we have sold out as a church that this vision that God has for your life, that it really is the best life that we could ever live. That we have bought in heart and soul that this is actually the vision of our church. That we said, if this says that it has a vision for our life, that is the vision of our church. And it's what we want to see for your life. But not just you, your family and your children. And that's what we want to see for people that you go to work with. That's what we want to see for your neighbors. That's what we want to see for all 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area. East side, west side, Burbs, City, Kentucky, Ohio, Xavier, you see all all people, that we want people to see that this is God's vision for your life. We want you to go on this spiritual journey, and we put it this way: four things: that we want to see you know God. We want to see you know God, and I'm not talking about knowing him intellectually, but you know him here. There's a close, intimate relationship, and I want you to see today that you can have that. Maybe you find yourself at church right now, watching online, and you're like, I don't have that. You can today. You can know God, and everything starts there, but it doesn't end there. That he has more plans for you, and he's got a vision for your life that goes beyond just having a close relationship with him. His second part of this spiritual journey that he wants you to go on is he wants you to find freedom. Because the truth is, you can get saved today. You can give your life to Jesus today, but you still got issues Come on, can I get a good amen from the church? Hey, you got some issues. Anybody with some issues? Yeah. That just because you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't mean that all that stuff is done. That you can still have addictions, still have hurts from the past, and have things like baggage that you're carrying around in life. You're saved and going to heaven, but it really doesn't make life fun here on earth. And what it ends up saying is that God says you can find freedom. You don't have to live that way anymore. You can set those things down and live a future that's free and not bound up and not addicted and not hurt and always walking around wounded from something that happened 10 years ago. Like you can find freedom and then it gets even better. He says after that, then you can discover purpose, that you can realize that I made you a certain way so that. You can make a difference here so that you can discover purpose and then so that you can do what all of us are created to do. All of us. Here's the finish line. You want to know the finish line? It's to make a difference. That God created every single one of us to make a difference. And not just make a difference, but make a difference for eternity. I'm telling you, you want to find fulfillment, you start making a difference in the lives of other people. And this is the vision that God has for your life. And we have built our entire church, guys, around these four things. In fact, if you come to Grow Track today at 430, I'll tell you how. I'll tell you all about how we built our church around these things. And listen, I am begging you. I am begging you to not settle for anything less in your life than this. I'm begging that you don't settle for anything less than a life where you know God, where you are free, where you know your purpose and you're making a difference. Because I'm telling you, that is God's vision for your life. I'm telling you, because that is where you can find lasting fulfillment. Like that doesn't go away. You can find lasting fulfillment. There is when you can find peace that passes all your understanding, peace that doesn't even make sense, peace that you shouldn't have. There is where you can find the joy of the Lord that can be your strength no matter what you go through. There is where you can find meaning and you can find purpose. No matter what is happening in your life, no matter what diagnosis a doctor gives you, no matter what pandemic we have to be going through, no matter what bad news that may occur this week, you could still have fulfillment. You could still have have joy. You could still have peace and purpose. And I'm telling you, that's the case. In fact, I'm convinced that one of the best ways to not compromise is to know God's vision for your life. Because when you know God's vision for your life, it's like, I'm not going to compromise with that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to mess with that. Why? Because I know that God has a plan and a vision for my life, and I know what it is. And I'm telling you, that Him. Come on, ladies, him, that does not fit into this. So I'm not gonna compromise. But we have to understand, but when I don't see God's vision for my life, I'm in danger of compromising for an earthly counterfeit. I think if Samson was here with us today, I think he'd look at us, he'd be like, guys, I'm telling you you need to know God's vision for your life. And I think he'd say one more thing. I think he would tell us number 2 that you need to know that failure is never final. I believe that Samson he would say guys failure is never final. Get that in your heart. Get that in your spirit. You need to know that failure is never final. Let me show you how Samson's story really ends. In Judges 16, 28 through 30, then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. And you need to know that we serve a just one more time God. And he said, with one blow, Let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson, he put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines and the temple. It crashed down on his enemies and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than his entire lifetime. Listen, I know that that's like a lot of death. What does that mean? Here's what I don't want you to... Here's what I don't want you to miss. Don't miss that the end of Samson's story shows that our greatest days can come after our biggest failures. Our greatest days, guys, can come after our biggest failures. And maybe you find yourself right now listening to this message and you've made some major compromises. And right now, it feels like I'm getting all up in your kitchen right now because it's like, how do you know I'm making all these compromises right now which has led to maybe some big mistakes and some big failures. And I want you to know that just because you made a mistake, it doesn't mean that you are a mistake. That maybe you find yourself at church and you've had some mistakes in your relationships or maybe it's, you've had some mistakes in a marriage or you've had some mistakes in your parenting or in your business, in your finances, and you're in debt like you never thought you would be, and maybe you made some compromises and there's been some mistakes in your morals, and you compromise your convictions and your calling, the character that you know that God wants you to have. You need to know, one, that this Bible says that if that's you, you need to hear this and hear this from me, because my message is not a message of condemnation. Because this says in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. That means there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no regret for people that are found in Christ Jesus. And here's what I want you to get today. All of you can be found under Christ Jesus. All it takes is a choice to receive grace. That means there's no guilt, there's no shame. But I unapologetically push you towards conviction to say, how can I take this and how can I change? But maybe you're here and you've made some mistakes and you've messed up and you find yourself in in the middle of compromise after compromise, you need to know that failure is never final. You need to know that we serve the God of the second chance and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. And Proverbs 24, 16 says that the godly, you may trip seven times, but they will get up again. That the godly, here's the deal. We fall down, but we don't stay down. Why? Because the cross not your failure, not your compromises, not your mistakes. The cross has the final word. So if you're here and you've made compromises, you've made mistakes, you've tripped and you've fallen, listen, just like this verse says, get back up. Get back up. Don't stay down, don't quit, don't give up, that no matter how far you've gotten from God's vision for your life, the great news is, is that we can always get back on track. Because failure is never final. That your greatest days can come after your biggest mistakes. God's not done with you. So please get back up. Now write this down as we close today. Is that failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. That's the only time. Is when failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're new around here, we do this at the end of every message. And I think one of my fears about doing it every week is that we can just get so used to it and go through the motions right here. But I believe this is one of the most important parts of our entire service. And right here, right now, I want you to ask God, I want you to pray. And just say, God, what are you saying to me today? Regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, would you have the courage to ask God that? God, what are you saying to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? Because as a church, we're passionate about our Sundays, what we do here affecting our Mondays. So ask him for a next step. Just ask him, God, what are you saying to me? And maybe you're here and you've been battling with that baby monster Of compromise, and God is speaking to you about some little compromises that you've been making in your life that you just need to do some course correction today and make some changes. And maybe you're here and you're way past the compromising stage, and you've made some mistakes, maybe you've experienced some big failures. I just want to remind you that failure is not final that it's only final when you refuse to get back up, that we serve a God of second chances. So that means that you can get back up. In fact, Samson's story, here's what's so cool. It's like the entire Bible, it points us to Jesus, who like Samson had his greatest victory when he died. But instead of his death bringing death, his death brought life, specifically life for you, that you can experience eternal life, that you can live with God forever because of his death. And not only that, you can experience abundant life. The best life that we could ever live, living in 2021 is found following Jesus. And he said, I've come to give you life. And all you have to do to receive that life is to give your life to Jesus to make the decision to follow him. And maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. Maybe you're watching later online and you have never made the decision to follow Jesus, to give him your life, to say yes to him. Or maybe you have in the past and you've went off and you've done your own thing. And today you just need a fresh start. And we wanna give you that opportunity right now. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna make you come forward or do anything weird. If that's you, and you know that's what God is saying to me, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, if you wanna say yes to Jesus, if you wanna give him your life today, whether it's for the first time or all over again, on the count of three, I'm asking you to boldly put your hand in the air and just say, that's me. If you're at home, do the same thing. Put your hand in the air and say, that's me. I'm a, it's a line in the sand day. I'm following Jesus. And if you're here and that's you, and you want to be included in this prayer on the count of three with courage put your hand in the air one, two, three, just put it up and say that's me, that's me, I got you, got you, got you yeah, it's great, it's awesome anybody else, it's awesome, it's awesome it's awesome why don't you put your hands down and just pray something like this in your heart and everything's going to change just say Jesus I love you I need you I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you, will you come live inside me will you change me do what I can't do, change me. And will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you every mistake I've ever made, my failures. I give you everything. And today I choose to follow you. We thank you for being a God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you that failure is never final. Thank you that the cross and the cross alone has the final words. We thank you for Jesus. And it's through the mighty, powerful name of Jesus we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on, church, can we clap our hands and celebrate with those people that just made that decision? Oh, come on, we're so proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at People.